As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show. I am Mike Zimmerman and today we are going to be talking about the U.S. men's national team holes and what they need to do to fill them for the 2026 World Cup on home soil. Today I am joined by the Athletic's Chris Kamrani. Chris, I think there's only one place to start and and that has to be striker. They, they didn't get a lot out of Haji Wright, Jesus Ferreira and Josh Sargent. Where do they go from here? looking ahead to 2026. Yeah, I guess you could look at it uh, through, you know, the the prism of glass half full or glass half empty. Um, if you want to go glass half full, um, you already have a ton of young strikers that have been within Greg Berhalter's project who offer various different types of skill sets that can, you know, conceivably allow you to play differently um, with each of their individual skill sets offering something different. Or you could look at it uh, glass half empty and understand that none of these young forwards managed to kind of grab the position by the throat and, you know, put it into a chokehold and make it their own. And I think, you know, every men's national team fan understood going into this World Cup that this was probably going to be the biggest hole that this team had on the World Cup stage and outside of the fluky Haji Wright goal against the Netherlands in the round of 16, uh, it just left so much to be desired. And it's kind of, that was kind of the, the theme of World Cup qualifying as well. I mean, a lot of people fell in love with the idea of Jesus Ferreira playing that false nine position, allowing him to drop deeper, uh, to combine with the wingers, to allow them to get into space and, and be dangerous out wide. Um, but it didn't translate, obviously his one appearance in the world cup, um, did not go well. And, um, maybe you have to look at, this is the kind of the major mistake of Greg Berhalter's roster selection going in. And you might say the grass is always greener, but it's hard to not imagine what Ricardo Pepe could have offered, um, this group considering he plays the position differently. He is your more prototypical, 
um, target striker who can drop deep and combine the way Jesus Ferreira can. And um, when he was on, albeit there wasn't that many times that he was on, he looked to be the perfect fit in Greg Berhalter's system. So um, there, there is one major question going into 2026, I think. And it's, as you mentioned, it's the one that everybody that is a fan of the men's national team knows. It's who can be the starting nine that can instill fear into an op- opposing back line, who can make an opposition game plan for the men's national team. Because as we saw throughout all four group, uh, out, uh, three group games and, and one knockout stage game, the U.S. became like tremendously predictable in their style of play. And the Dutch obviously exploited that in the round of 16 game. You had mentioned in your story that there is one caveat here, and that is whether Greg Berhalter is the coach for 2026 because we know his system. And if there is a new coach in 2026, we don't know what that would look like. What are the different things that all these striker options do? Like you mentioned, Ricardo Pepe fits seems to have fit Greg Berhalter's system very well, but you also have Jordan Pifak, Daryl DK. Yep. You know, there are other options, but what I guess are the, the prototypical systems for those types of players to kind of maybe get them involved and bring something different? It's a great question. I mean, if we're talking about the way that Greg wants to play, he wants to utilize the deepest position in the roster pool right now, which is wingers, talented wingers who – um, at the moment, are the U.S.'s best goal-scoring threats. And I just don't think that's sustainable for a program that wants to make it further than the round of 16 um, at 2026. Therefore, you have to find a player or players who can come in and evolve themselves. And by that, I mean, um, I think so much of us, so many of us like fell in love with the idea of what Ricardo Pepe could be with this group when he burst onto the scene um, early in the early stages of the last qualifying round. And then obviously he, he had a year long goal streak, um, you know, forwards live and tie by goals. And for Ricardo, the, the drought was very, very long. And um, you know, I think a lot of that led to Greg not wanting to bring him in um, very often in these various, um, you know, national team camps because he was struggling so much. But then you look at guys like Jordan Pifok, who has helped Union Berlin out to a fantastic start in the Bundesliga. He had a hot start, you know, dwindling a little bit, um, you know, isn't a surefire starter at the moment. Um, you know, he will be he will be 30 in 2026. I think maybe if, if I if I wanted to pick one player that I think could conceivably demand, uh, you know, more of a starring role in Greg Berhalter's system, if Greg is still the coach, I think Daryl DK offers a tremendous amount of intrigue because of his ability to um, be kind of a bully forward. He has the body type to, you know, take on multiple center backs. He's tremendously fast if you wanted to get in behind. And he's a player that doesn't really turn off the gas pedal, meaning that he, um, and, th- and this is obviously what Greg and their staff love about him when he's healthy is he is a, he's a thorn in the side of opposing center backs. He doesn't really stop, you know, chasing after them and making life difficult for them. And, you know, we, we have to find, uh, you know, the U S has to find a few options going into this next world cup cycle that can allow Greg to offer different types of looks because, you know, as I mentioned beforehand, 
You know, you're talking about a wing pool that features Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Tim Weah, Brendan Harrison can play out there. You know, a, a tremendous amount of depth and it's a wealth of uh, intrigue for sure. But th- this center forward position has to find a way to sort itself out because if not, we might be having the same conversation four years from now. You look at the three uh, number nines strikers that uh, were called up to to this past World Cup: Josh Sargent, Jesus Ferrer, and Haji Wright. Regardless of who the coach is in twenty twenty six, do you see any of those three players as shoe ins, or is everybody's job? on the line and everybody has an opportunity or are there any of those three that you can say, I I have confidence they'll be on that roster. I think Sargent for me is the one that I think if he's healthy um, will be on that roster just because he also offers flexibility from a um, versatility standpoint. We've seen him play out wide at Norwich as a winger. He's played, you know, up top with Timo Pukki in their, you know, two forward system at times. He's a player that can play in multiple positions and has proven to be effective in the championship. So, um, you know, Josh is only 22. He'll still be kind of in the prime of his career four years from now. Um, I just have a hard time looking at guys like Haji Wright, who was a surprise ad, um, you know, guys like Jordan Pifak. I just don't imagine them being around four years from now, but who knows? I mean, I mean, four years ago, we didn't we knew Haji Wright as a youth national team player that come, that came up playing with Christian Pulisic and some of these other guys and kind of fell off the map. And here he was scoring a goal against the Netherlands in a World Cup. So it's hard to say right now, but I would say Sargent for sure to me is a shoe in. After that, I think Pepe. You know, it will be fascinating to see what his club position is like because when he was at Augsburg, he obviously fell out of favor and wasn't playing as much. As soon as he goes to the the Dutch league, he starts lighting it up. And it, I mean, it's the perfect fit for his style of play. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know who, who else will be in the mix four years from now. I think DK will be in the mix, but one thing that's majorly concerning Mike is, is there isn't necessarily that next it forward coming up through the youth national team cycle. I mean, uh, Mark, my colleague, Jeff Ruder, you know, pointed out that the, the U S U twenties won the CONCACAF championship handily, uh, without playing a real forward throughout most of that tournament. So you're seeing a, you're seeing a bunch of, you know, talented attacking players, but it seems like once again, you know, American soccer is having a very hard time developing the, the most important position on the field. Well, I, I think most U.S. men's national team fans saw two big holes probably the past year or so, and that is striker, which we just discussed, and the other one is center back. Um, we saw in aging Tim Ream at the age of 35, who looked relatively good, you can argue was their best, um, you know, center back out of him, Walker yeah. Zimmerman, Cameron Carter Vickers. Um, he'll be 39 in four years. <laughs> so it doesn't look like the U.S. will be able to count on him. The next one in your article is a new generation of healthy center backs. Yeah. We're, we're assuming Miles Robinson and Chris Richards will be healthy and they're probably going to be the go-to center backs, but who else, who else is on your radar? Will we see Cameron Carter Vickers? Um, and, and, and how important is this generate a new generation of center backs for this men's national team? Yeah, it's paramount. Um, I mean, I think you have to look at what Walker Zimmerman did during this past cycle and you have to give him a tremendous amount of credit for stepping up and being a leader. Um, but he was exposed at times on the world stage against world-class uh, opposition. 
And um, I just think going forward, you're going to need three to four um, younger, faster, more dynamic um, center backs who are good with the ball at their feet as, you know, Miles Robinson and Chris Richards are. But unfortunately for them, they hit, uh, they bought, they, they got the injury bug at the worst possible time. You know, Miles Robinson tearing his Achilles, Chris Richards just not being able to get on the field for Crystal Palace and, and missing out on Greg Berhalter's roster. I think those are two of the guys that I think I would, you know, pencil in as the, you know, at the moment, the odds on, you know, starting pairing at 2026. But I thought Cameron Carter Vickers had a had an impressive performance against Iran, especially considering, you know, he was he was part of that um, last, you know, nine minutes or 10 minutes that Sam and Paul wrote in depth about of trying to withstand, you know, wave after wave of the Iranians trying to get into the box and um, find an equalizer. I thought, you know, Carter Vickers was was a standout in that game. Um, but, you know, he's 24 now, so he'll be 28 and 26 you know, Miles Robinson will be 29, Richards will be 26. So I think those are like the three that that really come to mind, but we're still going to need to see some younger players coming up through the youth ranks to establish themselves and push these guys because, you know, four years ago, I don't think any of us really saw, you know, Walker Zimmerman starting at a World Cup, neither did we see Tim Ream. And, you know, they, they, they had a decent showing, but I think in order for the U.S. to make a further run, you know, you just have to be better all around. And, it, and it's it's kind of ironic because, you know, men's national teams of old have, you know, always had very solid center backs and they have always been really hard to, to play through and, and score against. And through the group stage, that was definitely the case. I mean, they, they conceded one goal in three matches and it came from the penalty spot to Gareth Bale. Um, but against the Dutch, uh, you know, everybody was basically – uh, taken to school and it was a good learning experience for this group and you know unfortunately guys that needed the learning experience like Chris Richards and Miles Robinson and Cameron Carter Vickers weren't on the weren't on the pitch but I think going forward those are the three guys that I think definitely need to be at the top of the list going forward. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Uh, do you think the game against the Netherlands kind of opened up a few people's eyes? We we, we knew that centre-back was an area of concern, but after the group stage, things were looking kind of positive. Walker Zimmerman, Tim Ream looking you know, relatively good. Do you think the game against the Dutch kind of highlighted that that hole again and kind of reminded us, okay, maybe the group stage was kind of a Band-Aid covering up the real issue? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think you you faced three very different teams that found themselves in very different positions. You know, Wales was always going to challenge the U.S. to come out and break them down. And the U.S. did once and after that had a very hard time doing that. The England game was very odd because, you know, England seemed to be kind of chugging along at 40 or 50 percent and didn't really want to open things up. And the Iran match um, was kind of a combination of both. And um, I guess for me, the the overarching issue of the Netherlands match was uh, the Americans just looked gassed. And it wasn't necessarily the center backs. It was the outside backs. It was Serginho Dest trying to take everybody one-on-one. Anthony Robinson looked like he had no legs left. And the midfield, Yunus Musa, um, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, you could tell that they were just not you know, at 100%. And I understand that it's a World Cup and you have to figure out a way to get to 100% within your three or four-day window after you play. Um, but to me, one side knew what it was knew what it had to do and the dutch definitely invited the us to kind of bomb forward and take chances but they knew once they got to the opposing you know you know 18 yard box all they had to do was batten down the hatches and the americans had a hard time breaking them down and we saw how quickly the dutch figured out that they could get to this team in transition and that wasn't necessarily wholly on you know tim reamer walker zimmerman it was on like I said, the fullbacks who didn't appear to have legs, the midfield that didn't appear to have the same amount of legs. And it would just seem like it was more of a systematic dismantling. I know a lot of fans are, you know, look at that scoreline and say, you know, they were down 2-1 with, you know, 82 minutes through. And I understand that. But I just think if you watch the, if you paid attention through the entire match, the U.S. basically played into the hands of what the Dutch wanted to do. And this is just a, another learning experience for this young team of figuring out um, how to be different, how to be, you know, more dynamic in less predictable ways. Well, that kind of takes us into your third and final need for 2026. And you'd mentioned the midfield seemed to be losing their legs um, at parts during during the game against the Netherlands. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that the midfield of McKenney, Musa, and Adams is the future for the U.S. and it's probably their strongest unit on the pitch, maybe outside of goalkeeper. Um, which which is surprising because Matt Turner was fantastic, um, yeah. but I, but I think one of the big keys was there was no depth behind those three. You know, we saw at times Brendan Aronson on there. You know, had to bring on Kellen Acosta. Why why is having depth at the midfield so important for this team in twenty twenty six? Well, because as we saw, if you know, I mean, Adams went the full ninety in all four matches and. 
he kind of prides himself on being, uh, you know, Mr. Ind Indispensable, a guy that is always going to be able to do his job. But um, you could even tell on that opening goal when Memphis Depay got away from him, um, he just didn't have the same amount of get back that he usually did. And, you know, Wesson McKinney, you know, we, we knew he was carrying a little bit of an injury coming in. Um, he hadn't played a lot for Juventus, so it wasn't a surprise to see him not go the full 90. Um, I thought Yunus Musa had a great tournament, but I, you know, he looked nowhere near um, the way he did against England or against Iran in that match against the Netherlands. And I just think going forward, um, Greg or whoever is the manager has to figure out a way to, you know, interchange certain pieces in that midfield. Because I think, you know, we talk about Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson is, you know, a starting um, kind of attacking midfielder slash number eight for Leeds for Jesse Marsh in the Premier League. He's a guy who plays in the middle of the field, but he's also, you know, I think maybe some people look at Brendan as a little too attacking minded in a, in a three man midfield that demands all three players to be able to go box to box. Um, he is the one luxury I think this midfield has going forward because he can offer you so many different ways to play. But after that, um, I think the drop off is pretty pre precipitous. I mean, Kellen Acosta will be four years older. Christian Roldan will be four years older. Um, you know, Luca De La Torre has had some decent, you know, minutes for the men's national team in the central midfield, but I don't know if he's necessarily a guy you want to have to rely on. Um, and then after that, it's a bunch of, you know, young players that haven't proven themselves. Uh, you know, I think a guy like um, Gianluca Busio, you know, Paxton Pomacall, even, you know, Brendan's younger brother, Paxton, who just moved to Eintracht Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. These are players that come to mind that I think could potentially be rotational players in that midfield um, because going into 2026, you, yeah, obviously you want to be able to get out of the group stage, ideally win your group stage. But once you get to the do or die matches, you can't have your mo the most important part of your, of your roster be totally out of gas. And it's this really interesting give and take that Greg and his staff had to figure out how to balance because obviously, as you mentioned, this midfield is, is the, most important part of this team, but how do you make sure you get out of the group stage? And it obviously we saw it was no guarantee, especially in that match against Iran. It, it would look pretty hairy for a moment. How do you guarantee that you have your most important trifecta on that in that midfield on the pitch as much as you can, while also simultaneously game planning for what it will be like when you're going to play much more talented and much more um more teams that are going to more types of teams that are going to test your capabilities once you get into the knockout stages. Now, I, I kind of want to, and we'll wrap up with this. I want to shift to to the touchline from off the pitch. Um, from with with all the players we've been talking about, and, and kind of looking to see who's going to be in their prime in twenty twenty six, whether Burhalter is is there or not. What kind of style is needed for this team to succeed in 2026? Is it the current system they're in? In your opinion, how do they form a system around their current crop of players that gets the most out of them? Yeah, I mean, I think we can we can look at this question and potential answer through the prism of um, one of the most talented players in Gio Reyna basically playing a non-factor in this World Cup. Greg and his staff, um, for one reason or another, uh, couldn't find a way to get Gio enough minutes in order to have him be effective. And I think if you talk to a lot of people around U.S. soccer, some people think that a player like Gio Reyna is 
on paper the most talented. So these these are good questions to ha- good problems to have going into the next World Cup. But you also have to find a way to maximize your talent at every turn. So what type of you know formation do they line up in? I think it will be very hard for Greg or whoever the next manager is to abandon that three man midfield of McKinney Adams and Musa just because they showed their quality throughout four matches. And then if then things get tough, I mean, you, you're not going to bench Christian Pulisic, who had arguably the best run of games that he's had in his entire career, whether it was at Club or Country for the U.S. and Qatar. Um, who's he? Who's playing on the opposite side? And this maybe goes back to our original question of who's who's the number nine. The, the, these are it's a good problem to have, but it's also a precarious one because you do have players that can be game changers at various positions, but. It's all about, you know, style. It's about, you know, who is going to come in and be able to offer something different, whether that's as a starter or as a sub. And I just think that was something that Greg and his staff failed to capitalize on throughout these four matches was, you know, the match was always yearning for something different when it when it stalled out in, you know, whether it was when Wales turned the tides in the first match, when, you know, the U.S. were very close to breaking through against England and then against Iran, I think a lot of fans were frustrated that Greg and his staff decided to, you know, bat down the hatches with 11 minutes to go against a side that, you know, is is no pushover, but it's a side that I think if you look at the U.S., you know, out talents them across the board. It's a it's a it's a it's a team that the U.S. should have been able to put away, and um, I think for me, the the answer to that question is is going to be told. And I'm not putting, I'm not trying to put pressure on just one guy, but I think like you look at a 19 year old Gio Reyna who has had his own injury issues for sure, but like you, you're not, you can't, you have to find a way to get a 19 year old who, when healthy, starts for Dortmund into more than I think it was like eight minutes of of play through <laughs> through the group stage. So um, I think whether that's Greg or whoever the next manager is, they have to figure out a way to get all of the parts that are necessary onto the field as much as they can and make sure this thing is working. Well, the good thing about all these questions is that we've got four years to to hopefully find these answers. Um, you can find Chris's article on The Athletic along with all of his and the rest of the Athletic Soccer staff work on theathletic.com. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.